Welcome to Heads Up Hockey. It is all things hockey talk and all things centric around the game. And it's also New Jersey Devils talk as well. And please enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. We have Jake Wakely on. How is everything, Jake? I'm good, Jersey Joe. How are you, buddy? Doing good. Uh, So you're going to bring on your special friend and big Habs fan. Yeah, he's, you know, he's, I've had the pleasure of knowing this guy for, you know, almost 15 years. You know, we met first day of uh, high school and whatnot. And we've, we found out that we both liked obviously the bills and stuff like that, but you know, big hockey fan. Um, Probably the biggest uh, Montreal Canadiens fan that I know. Um, still, I'm still waiting on him to uh, get in and accept the link. He probably still thinks we're starting here in about ten minutes, so it might be five. It might be five ten minutes before we get him on. But once we get him on, I'll uh, I'll give him a nice uh, introduction. I know. I'll let, I'll let you take that away. Yeah, I, I know he's messaged me. He's been messaging me today. Um, he's made some notes. He's asked some questions. If there's questions he needs to do, I just kind of told him, you know, write some notes down. Um, we kind of do it on the fly. We'll spring some questions on you, um, and whatnot. (laughs) Um, it also helps, I guess, in the situation, maybe with what he's going to rant on about, you know, the coach and stuff. You and I can kind of relate because we've had this guy coach our hockey team as well. And, you know, once we get into it and he's ranting about it and with, you know, guys who are potentially in his doghouse and, you know, where they're playing um, in the lineup, um, I'm going to tell a, a half-decent funny story about, you know, maybe with uh, Johnny Madden and Claude Julian when Claude Julian was coaching in New Jersey. But we're going to let him rant and go on about the Montreal Canadiens for a little bit, and we're going to see uh, we and whatnot. So we will have to throw a few bad habit puns in there because you warned me ahead of time that he's going to be a little explicit if you want to say, but not, I hope I want to see if he hits a Cam Jansen record. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's okay. If he, if he gets off a little bit like um, a comedian, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll see. Um, he's messaging me right now. He's asking about, like, you know, sound check and am I logged on before record and stuff like that. But I just told him that we're live right now. We're just kind of warming up a little bit before he gets <laughs> on here. Um, we're passing the puck around. We'll see how long I'm able to stay live here. I got about 55% battery. So, I mean, I should be good for about 45, 50 minutes, so, which is good The the wife took the baby for a bit. She's talking to her mom and her dad, so that kind of keeps them occupied. And I got the yeah. hockey game on in the background, so. But so uh, we'll. Uh, I'm just waiting on him to get on here. We'll see what happens. Um. Hopefully he gets through. Hopefully he does get through. Um, speaking of getting through, let's hope some teams uh, clinch the proper way. Um. Of course, I'm talking about you, Columbus. I, you shouldn't have blown a 3 nothing lead, half rear-ending 
in that game four. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, what did Columbus miss? They missed, I think it was like two empty netters or something. The yeah, they and the, one of the last ones missed by two inches, and two inches can cost you a series. Yeah, and you know what? Like Columbus is up one nothing right now, but if if they end up going up two nothing or three nothing, if I'm the Leafs, I'm sitting there thinking, well, geez, the way the last two games went prior to tonight, um, I um, I'm, I got you right where I want you. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's. It's basically, you know, the Blue Jackets basically ridden their coattails. And they didn't play like the Montreal Canadiens did, you know, playing, you know, constant 60-minute game, except, you know, their goaltender and Carey Price bailed them out every single time. Just absolute consistency is the name of the game. And if you're not consistent enough, like, unfortunately, like our team was early in the season, that's going to kill you. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I think Montreal has a shot to take down Philadelphia, but we'll get into bit, bit, that a bit more once he gets on. I was going to say, uh, where is he at now? Did he get the copy-paste, go to Safari, pace and go? Yeah, I think so. He's just he's having some issues with one of it with his to connect from his browser that he's using, so he's just changing the settings, so he shouldn't be too long. Oh, okay. I was I was just wondering what the heck could be going on. Sometimes you just never know. Okay, so yeah, he, he shouldn't be too long. Once he gets in, I'll give him a big introduction. All right. And no, it's not, for anybody listening, it's not the guy who played for the Leafs and the Ottawa Senators. Because I guarantee you if it was, he'd probably request a trade. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, without further ado, this is a... This episode is pretty big for me because, like, I've gotten into the podcast here in the past couple months and stuff. And, you know, I've talked hockey. You know, him and I have been friends for, you know, 13, 15 years. And this guy loves the Habs. Biggest Habs fan I know. <laughs> Bleeds, blues, blonde, a rouge. Nobody else. Um, without further ado, Connor, how you doing, buddy? Good, bud. How are you doing? <laughs> you guys doing today? Hey, I'm Connor, welcome on, Brownies. <laughs> hey, Joe, thanks for having me on, man. I feel like we haven't tweeted any. You're welcome anytime. You you can message me anytime. I'm just I'm just always scouring Twitter for extra content and just examining many things. But Jake wants to go dive right into it. So Yeah, all right, buddy. So we're going to give you the floor, and we're going to let you rant, swear, do whatever you got to do. <laughs> Take it away. You can rant all you want about Claude Julian, where he's playing guys and about the halves and whatnot. So, I mean, you can start with their playoff series win against Pittsburgh if you want. But we'll, <laughs> let, you, we'll let you dive into her. So, the floor would be here. lovely. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, thanks again for having me on, boys. I, I really appreciate it. Anytime. Literally, any time to, to talk about hockey and halves and anything, I, I love it. Um, I just want to say, Joe, and I hope you're staying safe with all the uh, crazy stuff going on right now. Uh, oh God! I know. I know the state of New York's a little tough. And New you're Jersey, out, you know, technically. I'm. I'm in Jersey. Oh, true. True. Yeah. I'm not sorry. New York. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking of the the Giants and the Jets for some reason, right? Not... <laughs> let me let me kind of throw that in there. So they those guys play in the Meadowlands, and they just Correct. have two. Yeah. 
two di- two different owners that just love New York and live by New York, but they pay New Jersey State taxes because it's cheaper than New York City. Yeah, so, well, the only team in New York is the Buffalo Bills. So. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the only true team that plays in New York that is the Buffalo Bills or the New York Yankees, Islanders, whatever. But the Rangers yeah. are barely in New York. <laughs> yeah, they're just over the bridge, right? Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're right. Yeah, they're right over. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I could talk about the Bills all night too, so I won't get too much into that. So I'll dive right into the Habs. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I gotta say that. Uh, I, I listened to your last podcast, and Jake had it right when it, he said uh, the hockey is, is quite good um, compared to what I think a lot of fans were thinking going into uh, you know fanless arena. The hockey is playoff atmosphere. It's up-tempo. It's fast. It's emotional. It, it, it was a lot of fun to watch the, the Habs take down Crosby and, and Geno Malkin. Um I think before I start uh, ranting on Claude Julian, uh, I think we, I, I think you have to give him credit where credit's due. Um, halfway through the series, he promoted Nick Suzuki and Jesperi uh, Kotkaniemi to the top two lines and forming a quite a good third-line shutdown trio of you know, Byron and Lechman. So I, I got to give him credit on that. Uh, I'll be positive for getting into the Domi and Paling. I got to deal with but, um, right from puck drop Claude Julian's changes and charges look entirely different from how this series started they seem pretty content with trying to get a one nothing lead and then bottling up the Pittsburgh rushes um, they, obviously we know the series came right down to Terry Price versus Sidney Crosby in the beginning okay. um, I think everyone knew going into that it would have to be Terry Price kind of taking control of the series and being the carry price that we know he can be. Um, I must say this is the best I've seen carry price since his Vesna and Hart Trophy season. Um, I, I haven't seen him play this good in the playoffs, probably since 2014. Uh, I guess this is probably only his second series since 2014, but still. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you can tell Carey Price that he's in it and he's uh, engaged. He's rested and, um, I think that's scary to a lot of teams, uh, especially the way the the Montreal Canadiens defense and uh, two-way forwards locked down Crosby and Malkin the way they did. I think Crosby only had two or three points. Malkin only had one point. I think he's minus four on the whole series. Um, so I think a lot of teams are a little worried. Uh, Terry Price had a 9.47 percentage, 9.60 at even strength, uh, which is very impressive. Um, the Habs have always been a pretty strong five-on-five team. It's special teams that really kill them. Um, the power play is infuriating a lot. Uh, I almost rather be shorthanded than be on the power play. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's an understatement. That, yeah, that is an understatement. You know, when, when you have Jordan Wheel on your second unit, um, it's, it's pretty tough to watch. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, the five-on-five team is, is kind of where the Habs play their best hockey. Um, and they do, they, they really shut down, they slow the game down, which I know a lot of fans don't like, but I know you, uh, New Jersey fans can appreciate the, the trap system hockey. It works. It's boring. It works. It gets you the dub, and that's that's kind of what matters. And that's what it's the Habs a good boring. Games. It's a good boring, correct. And, you know, and I, I think um, 
that's the way the Habs would have to be to win this. They're not. There's no game breakers. Um, I know Jake and I were talking the other night. The the way the Habs win is they have four lines that can roll. Uh, they just chip away. They just chip away. No one's gonna blow their socks off. No one's gonna break the game wide open. Um, you know, their best player would be probably this season to Tomasz Tatar, which says a lot, I think. I mean, I love Tatar, but he's not hes not going to break your game open. As you can see, our top scorers had no goals this play, this series. Um, you know, besides Drewan, who's been a bit of a disappointment, but you kind of expect Gallagher, Tatar, Domi, um, those kind of guys to start scoring or not. So defense is going to be what really carries this team going forward. Um, it's going to be interesting because the Flyers are a pretty pretty great two-way team, I think. Uh, they're a juggernaut two-way team. I, I mean, they know how to score. They got Claude Giroux. They got Voracek. But their their whole defensive system is amazing. And you got Sean Couturier, who I think arguably is probably the top two-way center in the game, playing there. And – it's going to be a great defensive battle. Um, you know, for the Pittsburgh series, the defense really led the way. There's 10 points coming from the defensive core, um, which is kind of allowing the Habs top forwards to find their legs. But like I said, we're going to need players like Domi, Drew, and Gallagher, Tatar, just sort of contributing offensively to have any sort of success. Um, yeah, and so the, the Domi situation um, – it's pretty mind-boggling that the only 70-plus player on the Habs by a long shot is Max Domi. Uh, he was third season in points. He's arguably the most dynamic forward on the team, and he's playing on a line with Dale Weiss and uh, Belzeal. And credit to Weiss and Belzeal, but you watch the game, and he, he's just too fast for them. Uh, every rush, he's 10 feet ahead of them, looks for an open man, and they're still way behind the play. And even if he is able to get them the puck, they chip it into the corner, and that's the end of the play. So I don't know how anybody can expect Domi to start contributing offensively when he's playing with two players who should probably not be in the NHL. I mean, I know Habs fans love Dale Weiss, uh, the Dutch Gretzky, uh, but he has no business playing on an NHL team, let alone at a line with Max Domi. Uh, this isn't the Dale Weiss of 2014. Um, he's had one game this series that averaged over 10 minutes of ice time. He's averaging about seven minutes. So at this point, he's just taking up space from a player who could be Ryan Paling or Charles Hedon, who can keep up with Domi and maybe contribute a little bit offensively while he's not, you know, uh, being a liability on the ice, which I think is important in the Montreal system. So that's... It, it's it's pretty disappointing to see those two players on the ice instead of uh, younger, faster, more talented, skilled players. Um, I don't know. Like, what do you guys think about about the I, Habs? I in that got, line? I actually got a, an interesting question. Um, you know, like you and I were talking about it there the other night. Um, how Montreal, like they, how they beat teams. Well, besides <clears throat> Carey Price is, I I still think Carey Price is the probably the best goal in the NHL, probably after Vasilevsky. I don't – I think he's proving again in the playoffs this year that he's the carry price that everybody expects him to be. And I don't – I think – I think Philly – like, Philly looks really good, 
but I think Philly's beatable. Like, if you grind away at Philly and you play, like, not so much into their style of game, but you chip away at them, like, I don't think Philly's defense is maybe as good as people make it out to be. Like, after Proveroff and Gothisbear, like, I'm not a big Travis Sanheim fan. I think he's overrated. Like, they have they have guys on their defense that I don't – I think are beatable. And I think with the way – like, I think Montreal matches up better against them defensively than you most people are going to think. Because if you look at the way um, Ben Sherratt's played this playoffs, he's played outstanding. He, he's been a monster. Um, very underrated signing by Mark Bergeron last summer. Um I know Bergman took a lot of uh, slack for that. He, it's a West player out in Winnipeg. No one really knows a lot about it. But Sherratt anchoring that left side with Shea Weber is – it's arguably oh, – well, it's not arguably. It is the top pairing on the team um, outside of Jeff Petrie and Brett Gulak. But I totally agree with you, Jake. They're a very beatable team. Um, in fact, the last five meetings between the two teams, Montreal hasn't lost in regulation. Um, they've outscored them 17 to 10. Uh, it, it, they're a very beatable team, but I think this series is really going to come down to Carter Hart versus Terry Price. Um, I think that's the biggest storyline in this series. Uh, Carter Hart, I think, is probably the best up-and-coming young netminder in the league. He he had a one goals against average. Um, he allowed three goals in three games against offensive juggernauts, Boston, Washington, and Tampa. Uh the kid looks confident, and he, he's looking to solidify his position as a top young netminder. What better way to do it than play against his hero and the just as hot Terry Price? Um, I think that's what it's going to come down to, is those two. I will throw this in there um, on the Flyers. One of the things you want to know about the Flyers is they love to play dirty. You don't want to play a dirty game with the Flyers. You want to play a different style of dirty. Get the puck into their back of the net. Get in the corners. Uh, move the puck rather quickly yet smoothly up in the high scoring chances, meaning, you know, someone like Duran can make a nice pass to, let's say, someone like a Suzuki right at the top of the slot and just banks it in and you cause a lot of confusion and chaos around Carter Hart's defense. Um, you know, I like the shot Shea Weber still brings to this day, even though he's 34 years old. Petrie had a really good uh, snipe the other night um, and that big win over Pittsburgh right off the goaltender's uh, helmet. And it, I thought it was a really great attempt. And Carl Osner uh, has really played a great series so far for a veteran. And he's experienced this from his days in uh, with the Capitals. And knowing hang what on, it takes hang on, to – Hang on, Joe. Hang on. Yeah. Carl, Carl Osner is not playing, buddy. He, he opted out. He opted out. Oh, never mind. Well, I'm looking at Cap Friendly, but... Yeah, it's okay. But no, you're, probably, you're probably thinking of um, Sherrod. Sherrod, yeah. the veteran that's been, been playing well. Thanks for reminding me. And Victor Mete is starting to butt into his own. I'm starting to see that. Yeah, and, it, and it, it's kind of tough that um, he's playing with a defensive liability in Xavier Ouellette. Um I... I I'd rather have Noah Juleson in there, to be honest. I know he's been hurt a lot, but the, Noah Juleson's a 23-year-old uh, first-round defenseman. Um, I think he still has the talent. Um, when he came on at the end of the year in Laval, he was playing very well. Um, it it's, it's kind of sucks to see Met being um, 
kind of left left in the dust and all on his own half the time because Xavier Ouellette is um, kind of forechecking and pinching when he shouldn't be. Um, but you're right. Mete has looked excellent. The fact that he's basically doing two-on-ones all game. Um, you know, it's uh, – but, yeah, it's, it's – it's, it's kind of tough when you you kind of trade your pieces at the deadline. You know, our, our depth isn't as good as it once was. You know, Marco Scandella would usually be playing in um, Ulet spot, which I'm not a huge fan of Scandella, but he's oh, he was just handed a big contract by St. Louis. Uh, we acquired a second-round pick for him, so I'm not going to give any snuff on that. But <laughs> he, he's a serviceable or a third pairing defenseman, so it's kind of hard for for Matt to kind of that way. And I think I think Montreal, and I think you're you're, you're looking at it because at the deadline, most of these teams they didn't think they were going to make the playoffs. Like Montreal was probably looking mostly at the draft in the off season, like and what improvements they could have made to their team. But I think Montreal did well enough scoring wise against Pittsburgh. Like obviously they beat them, but you. are you're probably sitting there as a Habs fan right now going, man, even though he's older, it would be really nice to have Kovalchuk right now on the team. Yes. Well, absolutely. But you know what, Jay, Claude Julian probably have him on the fourth line anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I wouldn't do it any good. I see, I see where we're leading here now. I think I'm going to start with a question. Sure. Why in the world? Is Ryan Paling scratched? Why did Montreal select him 25th or whatever it was in 2017 in the first round? And now he's been basically benched and, you know, dinkered around by the Montreal organization. And, like, I understand Drew Ann's been hurt. And, you know, you and I were talking about it. Like, he's, he's basically an Alex Kovalev 2.0. Like, he shows up when he wants to and then he disappears for a while. But when he's on, He's arguably, you can make an argument, he's probably, he's one of the best, like his skating is so smooth, but he makes plays when he's on, but when he wants to. But the one that I don't get, the one I really don't get is why, why Max Domi is like barely seeing any ice time. Like he had 72 points, I think it was last year. And then he was well on his way. It was a bit of a struggle this year for him, but he started to pick it up in the second half once Kovalchuk came to Montreal, and then now all of a sudden come playoff time, you're putting your best player on the fourth line. I I, I just don't get it. And, and you know what? Like, Drew and Domi, their best hockey was played on the line together. And instead, you have Yoel Armia on the line. And I love Yoel Armia. I think he's a very underrated um, forward. He had 16 goals this year on an injury short of the season. But why in the world would you not have Matt? two players obviously struggling and Domi and Druan? Why would you not put them back together with Kotkaniemi down the middle as your second scoring line? It makes zero sense to me to have your only 70-plus point player on the fourth line. It, it, he's getting like 12 minutes a game, and you have players like Joel Armida getting 20 minutes a game. It, it, it's even in games we're losing, we were down three one. You still have Yoel Armia getting most of the ice time over Domi, and then you you add Domi onto the power play, and you double shift him with 
uh, Janelle, or I mean, not you replaced Janelle with him after a penalty kill. And you're just you're moving him up and down the lineup. He's not being able to develop any consistency in his game. There's no chemistry with anyone in his game because he's just switching out line mates, moving him up and down. It's, it's it's very infuriating to see Max Domi being treated this way. Um, I honestly think he's leading to a trade this summer. I think Max Domi will be traded. Um, that's kind of unfortunate. He's really grown into a, a fan favorite in Montreal. Um, I mean, how can you not like Max Domi? He, he He's a scorer with a bit of dad's edge. <laughs> you know, he, he has that Domi family switch where all of a sudden he's mad and he's going to drop the gloves and kind of lose it on you. And, and you can see him on the ice when he's following Crosby up the ice. He's slashing them, cross-checking them. And, and I really think that took Crosby off his game. Um, I know, Jake, you mentioned it the other night, that goal by Paul Byron um, in game two to get 3-2 in the game. Max Domi was slashing Crosby all the way up the ice, and that took Crosby and the defender away from the play and opened up Byron to, to, to score and get back in the game, which I think was the, the, the you know, TSN turning point of the series. Uh, if, if Pittsburgh had made it 4-1, we'd be going down 2-1, heading back to, I guess, Montreal or whatever, right? Toronto. Um, <laughs> and I think Max Domi is part of the, the TSN turning point for that series was that play. Um, you can see the talent, you can see the skill, and I just think he's either in the doghouse or he's not in the Habs' future plans, um, which is pretty unfortunate. Which, yeah, I think it is unfortunate because, like, he – Byron was around the net, and then Domi stepped in front of Crosby and tied up his stick and kind of put him in a bit of a pick, and which caused Byron to score the goal. But it's little things like that where you reward your players with more ice time but then, like, how frustrating has it got to be for Max Domi when he's skating up the ice and he's halfway up the ice hoping to, you know, cause a breakout or a three-on-two or whatever or a scoring chance. And he's looking up the ice and he's looking to his left and his right and he's going, well, where's my teammates? Oh, wait, Jordan Wheel and Dale Weiss are still back at our blue line. Yeah, it, that's right. And in the off chance – he's able to connect with them in the offensive zone. They chip it into the corner, and that's the end of the play. Um, you can't put skilled players on the fourth line with AHL talent. Uh, no offense to Dale Weiss or, or Belzeal or, or Jordan Hill, but <laughs> this isn't – Dale Weiss has no business being in the NHL at, at this point in his career. Um, I know Habs fans loved him in 2014. Um he was great in that playoff run when he was 26 and looking to make a name for himself. He's now in his 30s. He's slow. He can't keep up with the pace. Um, great teammate. Great teammate. Like He's there to defend his teammates. He's, uh, he's the first one in the handshake lines with the goalie after a win. Um, I just think there's no place for him, especially in the playoffs. Uh, it, it just doesn't make sense. But I also think no matter who you put on that line, especially he's not getting enough ice time to develop. And I think your star players need to be getting 15 to 20 minutes a night to, to really consistently make an impact in a game. And And I want to touch on those two spots, you know, Cuck on the Emmys up playing in now the playoffs. Uh, You mentioned two possible names I think could be working would be Ryan Paling and then 
I'm just looking down the road, and you could easily have. Uh, let's see. I'm just trying to see what else I can see there. They got Cole. I they I got Cole Caulfield coming in the way. Cole Caulfield would be yeah. coming up rather soon. So yeah, I actually I wanted to ask your opinion on that. The I know the um, NCAA football is likely going to be canceled um, mm-hmm. this year, and, and I was just wondering what you guys thought on how that'll affect the hockey. Uh, I know hockey technically isn't considered a fall sport, so they haven't made their decision on that. Um, if the NCAA season gets canceled, what do you think will happen to you know, players like Cole Caulfield and, and those kind of guys? You think they'll sign their contract early and, and come up, or uh, Joe? Like, are they are they allowed? Are they allowed to go over to Europe and stuff and play? Well, I didn't, know, I didn't know if the NCAA got canceled. I didn't know if they would just allow them to uh, go play in the AHL to develop and stuff. But the AHL obviously is. We don't know if it's going to be playing and stuff. So yeah, like, so, I, wouldn't Europe be their only option? Well, let, let's see this. Um, per NCAA.com, it says NCAA cancels remaining winter and spring championships due to coronavirus concerns. This was on May 7th. Uh, so this was written by, okay, NCAA.com. And so it says on March 30th, the Division One Council voted to allow schools to provide spring sport student athletes with an additional season of competition and an extension of their eligibility period. Below is an excerpt from the decision statement. Uh, it says Division One rules limit student athletes to four seasons of competition in a five-year period. The council's decision allows schools to self-apply waivers to restore one of those seasons of competition for student athletes who had completed eligible in the COVID-19 shortened 2020 spring. So this says the council will allow schools to self-apply a one-year extension of eligibility for spring sports student athletes, uh, affecting uh, extending each student's five-year clock by a year. Uh, This decision was especially important for student athletes who had reached the end of their uh, five-year clock on 2020 and saw their season and abruptly. Okay, yeah, well, so I, I mean, that, that makes sense with um, that kind of makes sense with football because these players aren't with an organization yet. Like they're building their their stats and their their game tape to be drafted. My only concern with that is if saying like you can extend their stay in college. An NHL team who's committing into development is probably going to not want their prospect to be sitting around for a year, right? If that makes sense. Yes, and and of course they do have agents, and it's not like they don't have any representation. Like let's say Alan Walsh, for example, you know he represents player A and B, right? You want to have your clients A and B to go to whoever's organization close to their home. Let's just say there's a, a pro hockey league. Let's just say it's the ECHL or something. You know, you want to get at least some sort of ice hockey in there, you know, for these guys to develop. It'd be better than just sitting idle and not being able to play a college game. Um, what do you do about the other guys? Um, I think it could be doable if there's some sort of, like, I know with the, the European players from Central Eastern Europe, they've gone to play in the – 
the Liga and they've gone, that's in Finland, they've gone to Belarus, they've gone to Russia, to just to name a few things. So there might be, like, Joe Thornton, as an NHL guy, he's already gone to Switzerland to play in the NLA. So maybe there's something that allows the agents to vie for their players to play in a league that want to play, you know, in this COVID-shortened season. Yeah, well, yeah, the NCAA would have to come up with some sort of um, opt-out because, you know, with, if you're committed to a college hockey program, you're not a little, even allowed to go to a professional training camp. You know, like we never – we didn't see Ryan Paley on, in a Habs uniform for, you know, two and a half, three years because NCAA rules are if you're committed to our school, then you cannot be a professional athlete, um, which I think is bogus. I think that's – that's the NCAA. Though. <laughs> um, so that's what I mean. There, there has to be the agent. I guess would have to work out some sort of opt-out clause that they can. I guess they would just uncommit if they want to go to do a professional league. They could just uncommit from the program. I guess, right? Yeah. And so if they're under a full year scholarship, they would they would have to give up that free ride and then eventually, you know, get out of that old clause and join a new clause. In a, in a renewed contract. So with that being said, I think a guy like Ryan Paling or uh, – well, not Paling. I'm, I'm thinking of Cole Caulfield. So you just take him from, I believe, Wisconsin, and you just let him, you know, let's say play in Liga or the SHL and develop a little bit in a bigger, better league where he can get more ice time. Yeah, well, and I've also heard um, some rumblings about um, a tournament come September for, like, uh, AHL teams uh, and players like Alex Romanoff, uh, Kirill Kapriza, am I saying that right? Kirill Kaprizov, yes. Kaprizov, for players like those guys who are are practicing with the team but can't get any game time, um, there's rumors they're going to have a a tournament-style tournament style I guess a tournament in September for AHL teams to maybe get their legs and uh, kind of train a bit before doing the December season. Uh, so I guess that would be an opportunity there for players like Cole Caulfield to maybe play in a tournament like that. And then maybe just coming up to the big club in January because that's technically the next season, right? Yeah, it sounds a lot like that. And you touch on a guy in Alexander Romanov. Um, I noticed him because when he was playing for Russia, not only was I watching Askarov, I had to watch for the sake of Daniel Misul, uh, because he's on the Devils uh, prospect pool. And I looked at Romanov. He looked very good, sounded defensively. His physical game is pretty good. He's well-positioned as a defenseman, and he provides offense. Um, what do you think of him as a Habs fan? I absolutely love him. Uh, I remember when the Habs picked him, he was kind of a uh, who is that guy kind of pick in the second round. And there were some really good players left on the board. And the Habs kind of went off and picked Romanov. And I've always been in love with those underdog type players. Um, so as soon as he was picked, and fans and media were kind of making fun of the Habs in a way about that pick, I fell in love with him. Um, I, and then his first World Junior, he, you know, stole the tournament. He was defensive MVP. Yeah, I think eight points in five games. He was lights out good. Um, I believe uh, I forget who it was. Eight points in uh, 15 games played in the International Junior. 
Oh, he played 50 games? I thought he – I didn't think he played that much in junior. Uh, well, actually, he played for CSKA Moskva, which is Moscow. Correct, he, he yeah. Got, he got seven points in 43 games that season. Meanwhile, playing a lot of hockey and uh, for the under-20 and international juniors. So, yeah. Well, it, it's out. for a defenseman. I think he has, you guys know how hard – it is for defensemen to develop and how long they take. And it's, I thought it was pretty crazy that he was playing top minutes on the Gargarian Cup winning team at 19 years old um, in a professional, I think is the second best league in the world. And, and he was logging those types of minutes. Um, I know a former NHL veteran who plays on that team said he's never seen a 19-year-old defenseman that strong on the ice with his legs, the way he can box players out and, and the way he hits, he hits like a truck. He, he, it's um, quite impressive to see a 19-year-old kid step up on a 30-year-old man and knock him down. <laughs> pretty simply, you know, um, I know there's a video going around social media about a week ago. His first practice with the Habs, he cranked a guy um, in practice. You just see that it's go, go, go all the time for, for him. And I think that's great to see in a young defenseman like that. Um, I think he's a blue-chip prospect. Uh it's hard to predict how any defenseman is going to turn out, but I think worst case scenario is a top four defenseman. And I, I think that's, I think that's pretty good for a second round pick that the worst case right now is that he'll be a top four defenseman. And I, I, I think, you know, I, and I, I'm a big, big fan of him. Like you're seeing a lot of like, um, you know, scouting services ranking like up and coming prospects and stuff. And, uh, and whatnot, and even Craig Button has him, like, I think it was, like, a second to fifth best up-and-coming prospect. Like, I personally think, I think Alex Romanoff is a future Norris Trophy-winning defenseman. If he hits his ceiling, I don't think there's anything stopping that guy from winning a, a Norris Trophy. He, he just does everything. And, you know, like, uh, with, you know, Romanoff and, like, Montreal, I think Montreal... Montreal, Los Angeles, you know, for Joe and I, it's a little hard to predict our system right now because, you know, we have two young centers, obviously, to build around, too. But for you guys, I think I think Montreal has one of the deepest prospect systems in the NHL, and I also think it's going to help them in the draft having, you know, maybe Hab fans might have thought the draft probably would have been a better thing for us throwing through this sort of retool and rebuild in the window with Carey Price and Shea Weber left. But at the same time, the playoff is great experience for the young guys. It helps them, you know, see what they're getting into as they get adjusted to the game in the NHL and it helps their development moving forward. But, I mean, obviously they have Cole Caulfield coming up too, who I think is just his, his goal-scoring ability is unreal. I, I think Montreal is going to be perfectly fine you know, moving forward, even even after Carey Price, you know, finally hangs it, hangs him up whenever that is. I still think and Montreal. they have a good goaltender from have, New Jersey. Yeah, they have Caden Primu, too. So, I mean, Caden Primu, I think, is an, one of the best upcoming goaltenders. And so, I think Montreal got him an absolute steal. I love his goaltending. Excellent yeah, I was seventh round, and he's um, seventh round goalie, and he's been – Lights out since being drafted. He stole the job in college and he, he ran with it. I think he won the goalie MVP 
in the NCAA. Um, I think you're right, Jake, but uh, Caden Primo being uh, – I, I think he's obviously the future. Um, Terry Price is 33. He's not getting any younger. Um, and then, and you mentioned about, you know, have fans thinking that, the, you know, having a 12% chance at, you know, Lafreniere this year would be better than winning a round. You try telling that to Carey Price or, or Shea Weber or Jeff Petrie, these veterans who want to win, they want to win now. You try telling them losing to, you know, get a, get a 12% chance at an 18-year-old. Um, I don't think they're going to want to do that. Um, obviously, having an opportunity to draft a French-Canadian star is enticing, but I think having a shot at the Stanley Cup is, is much more enticing. Um, and you're right, to have Spassky pool, I don't think there's anything for Canadian fans to be worried about. Um, and let's say we do swept by Philly. Um, there's some great players available at the 16 to 20 range. Cooley, um, who I think is going to be a great defenseman. you got Jack Flynn from Ottawa, Braden Schneider from Brandon. Um, I think either way, though, they're going to be happy with the outcome of this season, considering how poorly it was going. Um, I know we, we brought up the Devils prospect pool over there. Um, what are you guys thinking for the draft? Is there uh, a couple players you're thinking of? Like for me, the Devils, I'd be kind of if there's a way that you can kind of come away from those three picks with a Jake Sanderson or a Jamie Drysdale and Askarov, uh, Devils fans should be very excited about any of those picks. Yes, you mentioned Jamie Drysdale. You know, if he's at seven. I am absolutely happy to know that he's there because I see the way he can just move the puck at ease. It's just, I know it's not Scott Niedermeyer like or Sergei Zubov like, but it's almost like Heiskanen and Kale McCarr style. The way he just makes it look so easy with less effort. Oh, yeah. His skating is so fluid. It's, it's almost satisfying to watch him skate up the ice on the rush. <laughs> yeah, I think, Joe, I think. I think you're right. Like I think, I think for the Devils, like you know, not being able to get a second top ten pick, they might be more enticed to take Jake Sanderson at seven. Um, if Jamie Drysdale is there and there's still forwards available, depending on the forward, I think they're better off. New Jersey's better off taking a defenseman because they need help on defense in their system. Like you know, PK Subban's not getting any younger. Um, you know, Damon Severson's kind of sort of hit his ceiling, what he can be, like a 30 to 40 point guy. And then, but you need a defenseman back there that hits, you know, the 50 to 60, 70 points. I, I don't see a reason why Drysdale can't hit that. But I see realistically. Like, like Connor said, though, like New Jersey also doesn't really have to take the defenseman at seven. They can afford to wait until, you know, the, the 18 to – 20 range that those the Arizona and the Vancouver pick and they can still get you know a a Caden Gooley or a you know a Braden Schneider or whatever and you know Jack Quinn if he falls but like we've you and I have said you know many times on our podcast the best thing for the Devils is probably hoping you know I think Detroit most likely is going to take Perfetti at four. Unless they don't, they might take Drysdale or Rossi. I don't see any other three players for them. They, they could also be enticed with taking uh, Lucas Raymond, too, because yeah. they also have a history with Swedes. Yeah, so, they do. Um, yeah, 
I mean, it's a coin flip with either of those really good uh, centers, but I think the one knock on Perfetti, if you're drafting Perfetti that high, is that you're going to move him as a winger, not a center. So I believe he's more of a winger long-term than a center. I, I agree with you there, Joe. I think Perfetti, no matter where he ends up, he's going to end up being a winger. Um Kind of reminds me, in a way, I think he's better than these players, but, you know, Max Domi or a Druin or a Galchenyuk, who, you know, they're drafted as centers and want to be a center, but they're better off as a winger. They just don't have the defensive uh, skill set to be a center. You know what I mean? So I definitely think he will end up being a winger, which I think would be also beneficial for for the Devils getting a winger. You know, you got your two stud centers, which arguably are the you know, behind or before goalie um, is the hardest position to kind of firm up in a, in a rebuild or a retool. So having those two already set is kind of gives you leeway to focus on a, on an Astaroff or focus on a Jamie Drysdale or focus on a Lucas Raymond or Alton Holtz, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Joe, you and I have talked about that. Do you think – we you and I kind of both think, like, unless – if, if seven rolls around and Rossi, Raymond, and Holtz are all on the board, you and I kind of think they might sway towards Rossi because, you know, it seems like the Devils have, like, half of the Ottawa 67's organization. You mean, <laughs> you mean, you mean the Ottawa Devils? Yeah. <laughs> Basically, yeah. But you and I have both said before, Devils. you and I have both said before, we think if Raymond and Holtz are there, then we don't, we don't think the Devils can – really go in a wrong direction there. I'd personally take Raymond over Holtz, but because I think he's the better – he'll be the better all-around playmaker. I agree. Four. But I also – takeaways. I also think taking Holtz would benefit them very well. And, you know, it could complement Palmieri for, you know, the last couple of years of his career if he re-signs there. And you're adding the best sniper besides Jack Quinn in the draft. And I think that's what they need. They need they need snipers on the wings. Is yeah. it? Intense? Sorry, go ahead. You you just said uh, Jack Quinn, and he's obviously the second best shot in this draft. I do think if he is available and the Devils don't get a star off, I believe you can get uh, Quinn or you could get Jarvis um, at that point in in the draft. Is it not enticing for you guys? I know JT touched on it with uh, P.K. Subban and, and Steverson, um, you know, and, and I'm a huge fan of Ty Smith. Uh, I know he trains with Brendan Gallagher in the summer. And uh, say what you will about Milan Lucic, but the guy's built like a truck. And he trains with Lucic, trains with Gallagher. I think he's going to be a, an excellent top four defenseman in this league. But you're right, the defense is, is kind of lacking in the prospect pool. So is it enticing to take a player like Jake Sanderson or obviously Jamie's Drysdale if he's there, and then taking a draft Quinn at who he could be gone by like fifteen to fourteen. But if he's there, when the Devils are picking with one of those Arizona or Vancouver picks, if you can get a uh, the draft with Jim, Jake Sanderson, and Jack Quinn, I, I think that's pretty enticing, no? Yeah, I believe if Sanderson does drop, I mean, to New Jersey's second pick in the in the draft, I do believe the Devils would have to take him because, you know, a team like the Rangers would want to take a guy like him, knowing the defense that he brings, similar to Ryan McDonough. 
but he's someone I think is a better skater than McDonough, but he's not a Kale McCarr or a Perfetti type skater. So I go with the defense rating, but I do like Braden Schneider's physicality for the Vancouver pick if it gets a little bit further back. Yeah, and in Askarov is. Uh, he's the best goaltending prospect I've seen since Carey Price. Uh, I know Craig Button said the same thing, so shout out to him. I think <laughs> I, I, I heard him say it. I can actually sure him. <laughs> but for in all seriousness, I've seen him play with, uh, in Russia and some of his highlights, and I think he is the best goaltending prospect since Carey Price. Um, so having a chance and an opportunity to have someone like that is, especially with the Devils, you know, you were treated for so long. And all, all props for Schneider, but the, the goaltending situation since that hasn't been what it, what it, what you would want it to be. So obviously, Askarov is probably pretty enticing as well at, at any of those picks. Yeah, we. I I heard back from someone saying, "Oh, that's that's a stupid opinion you have about picking Askarov with a pick." And I said, you know what? We we really need a really good goaltender who can challenge Blackwood game in and game out. We need two one A's. And anytime I watch a Skarov, he always has a really good mind similar to Price. He, like he's playing the puck. He, this kid actually comes out of his crease and plays the puck carrier from the opposition. And how many times do you see that besides Johan Hedberg? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean but you know, Joe, you and I were saying it last night, and I mean, I kind of got into it with the, the couple guys on our podcast. Yeah. And I've made it like I've made it clear, and I I will stand by it. I mean, I'm biased because like I played the position, so I'm biased. <laughs> but you don't win championships without great goaltending. I don't care how good your defense and your offense is. Your best penalty killer every single night is the guy wearing the pads between the pipes. If he's not on, then you're not having much success, and you don't win championships that way. Like, yeah, like you look back at the Habs all over the years, you know, the 70s, those teams were loaded, but they also had Ken Dryden in net, and then when they won in 86 and 93, they also had arguably the greatest goalie ever in Patrick Dubois. They might not have had the greatest offense in the 86 and, you know, 93, but they had Patrick Waugh. And Patrick Watt carried them even as a rookie and then in 93 to a championship. So, I mean, goaltending wins. It's it's pretty simple. Uh, I'm a first. Um, not only that a goaltender can steal a series, but I think they can steal a Stanley Cup. Um, and like you said, 86 to 93. Patrick Watt essentially did that, especially with the 93 team. Uh, I, we saw Yara Halak do it in uh, 2010. Didn't steal a cup. But he stole an entire playoff. So there's talk of him winning the con smite, even though he was eliminated in the conference final. That's how good he played. Um, so I think you're right. Goaltending, it, it, without it, you're not winning. Um, a goalie gets hot in you know the two three months it takes to win a cup. They're usually going to win. Uh, Jordan Bennington last year, for instance, uh, I don't think he's that good. He hasn't had a great year this year compared to what he was last year. But he got hot at the right time and. And he won, he won a cup. And I, I think you're right. You're not winning a cup without great goal. And, Joe, you know, before we uh, before we wrap it up, should we uh, 
Should we just get a quick series prediction from all three of us on the Montreal Phillies series since we have Connor on? I have the Habs winning in the best of uh, seven. I would say Habs four games to two. Yes, Joe. <laughs> I got I'll doesn't say, stand a chance. I say, I'll say yeah. I think I think Mon- I'll say Montreal in seven. I think it goes seven. I think Carey Price steals the show, gets a shutout in game seven. Yeah, I I think we're going to be witnessing a lot of two one three two games. I think this entire series is going to be Carter Hart with Carey Price, um, which what a cool story with Carter Hart idolizing Price there growing up. Um, but I think the veteran and the experience ends up winning it, and I agree, Montreal in seven. I think um, I'm hoping. I mean, obviously Montreal four would be great, but uh, <laughs> I think Carter Hart's going to steal a few games, and I think we're going to see a lot of boring, low-scoring hockey, and I can't wait. <laughs> we all can't wait, and uh, thank you for coming on and bringing your insight. It was wicked awesome. I I just figured Jake brought on the right person at the right time. That, that's that's what he's all about. <laughs> <laughs> it was great to be on. Um, anytime to talk hockey, um, as Jake said, he's been friends for you know, 15 years, and uh, that's what our friendship is based on, is sports, <laughs> football, and hockey. So, without that, we're probably not friends. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it definitely plays a big part. It plays a big part in our friendship. Our friendship yeah, no, that's, that's all we talk about is sports. And so, anytime I get a chance to, to talk with sports with new people, and it's always a pleasure. So, thanks. I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you so much. This has been a great Heads Up Hockey podcast. Don't forget to use promo code social, uh, sportsbetmvp.ag to support the podcast. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Jake. You're you're welcome. Peace. All right, boys. See you guys.